You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for the woman going through the menopause journey. I'm your host, Zora Benamu, a gerontologist, certified sports nutrition, menopause, and breathing coach. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan and the cookbook Eating for Longevity. And if you're a woman in perimenopause or postmenopause, check out the programs on hackmyage.com website to biohack and optimize your menopause experience because menopause is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So now please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. This is a really important point because it costs nothing, but makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for menopausal women to normalize this conversation about menopause and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. Hey there, biohacking besties. If you're navigating perimenopause or just dealing with those pesky menopause symptoms like hot flashes, fatigue, unexplained weight gain, you're not alone. I get it. The struggles with belly fat, crappy sleep, a racing mind, thinning hair, and that all too familiar feeling of anxiety or mood swings. Or maybe you've just experienced those mysterious symptoms like phantom smells, itchy skin, and achy joints. And these are all signs that you may be heading into the menopause transition. Yep, even if you're only 40. And it's not even rare to have these symptoms in your 30s. So just be aware. But here's the scoop. Menopause may be inevitable, but suffering is completely optional. You don't have to just tough it out because it's a natural process that women have endured for centuries. Yes, it's natural, but no, you don't have to tolerate the pain anymore. And that's why I've created specialized menopause biohacking programs just for you. This is not the usual recommendations like get a fan and dress in layers. We are talking about biohacks, which go beyond what most people even heard of to treat menopause symptoms. So head over to the hackmyage.com website and snag the hot flash program or the energy reboot program to hack your fatigue and optimize your menopause transition. And whether you prefer self-guided affordable masterclasses or fully guided programs with a supportive community of women and me who are facing similar challenges, we have got you covered. Our next group session kicks off on February 4th, 2024. And here's a little treat for our fabulous listeners. You get an exclusive 10% off any program with the code HACKMYAGE. So you got to act fast, especially if you want a spot in the guided program, because we keep it intimate with a maximum of 20 women to give you the attention you deserve. And if you're tuning in after that due date, no worries, just shoot me a message and I'll make a special offer just for you. So don't let menopause dictate your journey. Let's conquer it together and head over to the Hack My Age website now and start biohacking menopause. You can now watch all of our podcast interviews on the Hack My Age YouTube channel. Some of our guests bring slideshows, so it's really great to have. Every week there is a new video, so just search Hack My Age on YouTube.com or find the link on the Hack My Age website. Hello, age disruptors. Today I'm recording this podcast with a live studio audience. 
All of you attending this recording now are members of the Hack My Age VIP program. And part of being in this exclusive club is the ability to dial in and watch the interviews as they are recorded. And you can ask your own questions. If you want to be a part of this amazing community, go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash hack my age and sign up not only for these cool interviews, but so much more. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Institute of Bioidentical Medicine, which is the authority when it comes to understanding bioidentical hormones. And right now I am in the middle of taking their menopause method course, and I am so impressed. This is a self-paced course uh, designed by Dr. David Rosensweet, who's been treating women going through menopause for nearly three decades. I can highly recommend this program, particularly if you are a doctor or someone who's actually prescribing hormones to women for menopause. And if you're not, that's okay. Make an appointment at iobim.org to find out more about the program to see if you're a candidate for the menopause method. And ask for a discount with the code Zora, Z-O-R-A. And if you're just looking for a qualified doctor who's highly trained in menopause medicine, check out their sister site, Bright, B-R-I-T-E dot live. Empower yourself with information and a doctor that you can trust because menopause is inevitable, but suffering is optional. I'm so happy to have on the podcast for a second time, a true trailblazer in the world of health and wellness, JJ Virgin, our First episode covered fitness and strength in menopause, and I will include a link to that episode in the show notes, so please go listen to that one first. And JJ is really someone I've been learning everything longevity from since 2016 through her podcast, which is now called Well Beyond 40, when she was only probably about two years into her podcasting life. And now, nearly 10 years later, over a thousand episodes and 17 million downloads, she is at the top of her game and smashing it. And JJ is one of the first voices I ever heard on a podcast when I discovered the word podcast. And I loved and still love the way she gives the simple truth and puts the science into words we can all understand with real practical tips. And it's because of her that I decided to go down the road of nutrition and then gerontology, biohacking, and menopause. So thank you, JJ. And JJ, she's she's a triple board certified nutrition and fitness expert. And when you listen to her, you can tell she is passionate about the healing power of nutrition. And she's on a mission to change the way that the world sees aging and longevity. And she's launched three multi-million dollar businesses and founded the Mindshare Collaborative, which is the most influential professional community in health. And she also launched more New York Times bestselling books, PBS specials, and seven-figure brands than any other community. So she has literally been on fire since probably her 40s and now 60s. And if you're in the US, you may recognize JJ from TV. She co-hosted that show, Freaky Eaters. Remember that one? And she was the nutrition expert for Dr. Phil's Weight Loss Challenges. She's also been on Dr. Oz and Rachel Ray, Access Hollywood, and the Today Show, just to name a few. But wait, I'm not done yet. This warrior woman will be talking about nutrition and food and everything we need to know about it for menopause and how how it all impacts our 
menopause weight or menopause body composition, our feelings, our mood, everything. And she's really an authority on this topic, literally wrote the book on it. She's got the Virgin Diet, the Virgin Diet Cookbook. She's known also for the JJ Virgin Super Impact Diet and- Sugar, sugar impact diet. Sugar, sorry, JJ Virgin Sugar (laughs) Impact Diet. Everyone does that. I'm like, okay, sugar, sugar. (laughs) Really? I got got Mm -hmm. that, you know? And here I am trying not to talk about sugar. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to have links to all of these in the show notes so you guys can sort it all out yourselves and get the book that you want to get the book. And I'm also going to have all of the, the, the links to her social media channels on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, where she really has a huge impact with millions and millions of views. And she's really an authority on health, wellness, and leadership. And she's transforming the lives of so many people around the world. Do you think she's qualified to talk about food and nutrition with us and menopause? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So now without further ado, let's meet JG Virgin. Welcome. Good to be back. Yeah, I'm just that first episode was so good. I got such great feedback on it. And you spoke so in so much detail about what we need to do in the gym or outdoors and how to lift and, and all the important things we need to do to maintain muscle mass. And we didn't even get a chance to talk about food and nutrition because it doesn't make any sense to talk about lifting weights if we're not actually getting the right nutrients in our body, right? Well, got to do both. You got to do both. You got to do both. (laughs) So, okay, we're going to put everything into context in for a woman going through this menopause transition. And you know what it's like. You've been through it. Yes, Uh, I do. (laughs) You're on the other side. Loving it. And uh, actually, at one point, I would like to talk about your menopause transition experience. But before we do, let's let's focus on the food and the nutrition. So let's. what is a woman going through menopause right now who's seeing changes in her body comp- composition need to do in terms of her food, of what's on her plate, what choices should she make? What do you think? So I like to do things that are super duper actionable because otherwise, if you overload people with information and they don't start to see differences right away, then they just go F it. You yeah. know, like, why should I do this? Right. And when I think about the things that we are struggling with, the number one thing when you are working on, on a upgrading your eating plan, right, is you can't have hunger and cravings because if you have hunger and cravings, you are going to fail at some point. Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm hungry, I would say if I'm hungry, I have to pee and I'm cold, man. It's the trifecta. You don't want to be around. (laughs) (laughs) But if I'm hungry, like there's only so long you can go like that. And or if you have those cravings where, you know, you ate, but you're like, oh, I just want that little something, something. So I always look at this and go, what do we need to do here? If we're looking to upgrade our diet, we're looking to upgrade our diet so that we have great energy. We look like we just spent the week in a spa where we are fit, we're lean, we don't have belly fat. And the big shift that starts to happen through menopause as estrogen's dropping is that we are now producing estrogen through our belly fat. So preferentially, we're going to build more belly fat. We're becoming more insulin resistant and we're breaking down muscle because we need estrogen to build muscle. We need estrogen to burn fat, right? We need testosterone to help build muscle too, but it's estrogen's really for women, the bigger player. And we start to, again, produce that estrogen through our belly fat if we are, you know, if if estrogen's low and we're not replacing it. Now, couple that with, and of course, if you're insulin resistant, it's now harder to access stored fat for fuel. You know, you're more reliant on incoming blood, um, incoming sugar, incoming carbs. So you're going to be hungrier, right? So we've got all of that going on. 
We want to make sure we're dealing with hunger. We want to make sure we're dealing with satiety. And we want to make sure our metabolism's working well. Now, you know, and the studies are crazy with this because you think, oh, what's clearly my metabolism slowing down. It's not documented that it actually starts to really shift till about the age of 60. So what's really happening is your hormones are going wonky. And I always like the guys talking about this and they're like, it's fine. Your metabolism isn't going down. I go, you know, step inside my body, dude, for just a minute with this hormone flux. <laughs> I'd like to see you hang, you know? So if it's not metabolism, what's going on? But I do think there are things we can do to support, in fact, I know a better metabolism. So I like to take the biggest needle movers. And if you look at it, we have really two sides when we're eating. We have the building side and we have the fuel side, right? The building side, that macro is protein. Now, while you could use protein for fuel, it is highly unlikely that you will because it is not the way that protein is preferentially used. It has to go through a lot of steps in order to be used as fuel. So 99% of the time, unless you're like living only on protein with a little fat, your protein is going to be used for building. And then you've got the fuel, fuel ones. And so I have function and fuel. Fuel are carbs and fat. <clears throat> so if all we did, and I always like to say, you know, I'm going to give you a challenge because if you just did this one thing, you're going to see a massive change. In fact, I had one gal who I kind of did this whole brain dump to um, and gave her all these things to do. She was like, I'm turning 50. I wanted to have all these changes. I'm like, great. You know, and I did, I, I violated my rules and overwhelmed her. And she goes, I saw her six months later. She goes, I did 25% of what you told me to do. And I lost 25 pounds. And I'm like, Okay, cool. What'd you do? Amazing. <laughs> she did this thing, I'm going to say. So she, she hired a trainer to lift weights, but we know while that's shifting things, that's not going to be the big driver for weight loss. The big driver for weight loss has got to be that you have caloric restriction. It's, you know, so she had a lot of weight to lose, or is that she had a lot to, of weight to lose, probably about 60 pounds. So 25 pounds because she did this one thing. This is the mantra eat protein first. Now, when I look at this and tell women, here's what you want to do. You want to eat 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of target body weight. If you're a vegan or a vegetarian, push it to one. If you're trying to recomp, put on muscle, lose fat, push it to one. You can even push it past that. It's not scary. And they're like, I can't eat that much protein. You know, I get too full. And I'm like, well, let's look at why you're getting too full. You just sat down at lunch. You had the roll before lunch came, then you had the salad that you had croutons and dried fruit and that sugary salad dressing, you effectively turned it into a sundae. It had maybe three <laughs> ounces of chicken on it. And then you get like, so instead of doing all that, why don't we instead order a chicken breast <laughs> with a side salad and maybe something else, eat the chicken breast first. That way we know we got it in. And here's what's interesting. If you kept calories the same, you took someone, and this is a great example of this woman, you know, it's like, I didn't tell her anything that she listened to except eat protein first. And I'm going to eat a gram per pound of target body weight. And so if that's the first thing she did, didn't change her calories, move some of the calories that would have been fuel calories from carbs and fat over to protein. Protein is more thermic than the carbs and fats are. In fact, protein takes somewhere between 20 and 30% of the calories that you intake to be used in digestion and assimilation. So you're not absorbing those versus fat negligible and carbs somewhere in the 5 to 10% range. So if all you did was keep calories the same, but move more over to, to protein, you will lose weight. So that was the first thing. But the next thing that happened was that when you eat protein, you actually get full, full, like you're not hungry. It's the most satiating of the macronutrients. 
and it lasts a long time. Right. Because they should for a while. <laughs> unless you're doing like, you know, um, say whey or casein that are fast, right? It takes, these things take a long time. I remember we were in Italy, my husband and I were in Rome and we go to this restaurant and they had this Florentine steak. It was like 44 ounces. And we're like, let's order that. Okay. Now there was a bone, but it wasn't, the bone wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a thigh bone. It was like, you know, a little bone. <laughs> we eat the entire thing. The waiter's like, oh my God. But we were so full. Like, oh, I don't even know what to do. Like, I mean, roll me out, out of here. So we literally went walking for hours because we just had to like help support our digestion. You are full when you eat protein, yeah. you know. I and you even get the meat there. sweat sometimes. Yes. Yeah. But like you go, you know, you could have eaten the same amount of calories from pasta and bread and probably still finished off the dinner with tiramisu, right? Whereas we just had like an arugula salad and a steak. So you eat protein first. It's going to give you better blood sugar control. Everyone's talking about eat the vegetables so that you'll have better blood sugar control. Protein does it too. But protein also is going to then give you those amino acids that are going to help with satisfaction. So it's not just satiety. It's that cravings thing that hits too. I used to have this all the time where I'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm full, but I just feel like I need something. And if you're that person, this helps tremendously. Now, the other cool thing with protein is the study that showed that people who eat protein first actually make better food choices overall. And there's one little thing that's never talked about in fat loss. Now I'm obsessed with, with body recomposition. This is where we are putting on muscle and losing fat at the same time. For years, it was like, you can't do that. And then I was like going, all right, you know what? Everyone's saying you can't do this yet. I've had client after client after client that's done this. So one's a unicorn, but when it's, repeated over and over again, this is just some urban legend that you can't do that. Sure, if you were going to, if you really want to put on a ton of muscle preferentially, you know, you'd be better off to focus on that first. But if you really, most people would go, God, I'd love to put on a little muscle. I'd love to lose more fat. You can body recomp and protein's critical for that. But there's another thing that isn't talked about when you want to lose fat and it is detoxification. And, you know, I don't know how much you see of this traveling around the world, but in the United States, it drives me insane, the stupid juice cleanse that will oh, not die. Yes. Like the stupid celebrity juice cleanse that will yes. not die. I'm like, I'm like, do you understand detoxification? So, so our body stores toxins in our fat. And in fact, the NHANES study that looked at all those different parameters found that insulin resistance wasn't due to obesity. It was actually due to the toxins stored in those fat cells that was creating the risk of diabetes, of insulin resistance. And the challenge is, is as we start to lose fat, we free up toxins. If we are not good at getting the toxins out of the body because we are doing the latest juice cleanse, we are going to have a problem because the first stage of detoxification is this activation. Okay, they're coming out. Now you need to neutralize them. That, that's amino acid dependent, both those phases are. And then you excrete them. You know, that's a high fiber high fiber, sweat, poop, pee. So that's the other piece of why protein is so critical is it's really important for pulling the toxins out of your body for helping you activate and neutralize those toxins so that you can excrete them. And if you are losing body fat, you are going to be freeing up toxins. I and remember nutrient dense. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I have to, I have to interrupt you because I, I so remember listening to you years ago about this about this is the like the whole juice thing was happening. I was in Hong Kong at the time. And 
you described it so well that I still remember it to this day is that when you do a detox, like a juice fast without any protein to it, which like you explained, can has to, you know, the, the toxins that are released from the cells have to attach to something attaches to the proteins. And then we excrete it out, pee, poo, and sweat. And you described it as if you were trying to fumigate rats out of your home or mice out of your home and you fumigate the house, but you don't open the door. Right. And so you got to open the door and let the mice out. So there's no point. And I just thought it was such a great analogy. And I, I just remembered it when you were describing it. So I, I just had to, to interrupt oh, you. I don't even remember saying that. That's hilarious. So yeah. that's a great one. <laughs> um, but that's, it. so that is another piece of it. So I say this because if, if you're listening and all you do from this episode is go, I will try what she said. I am going to do 7.7 to 1 gram per pound of target body weight. Now, I will tell you, I have even more than that. I'm, I've been messing around with this and I'm at about one and a half grams per pound of target body weight. And what's interesting, I had a really cool researcher over at the house to record a podcast, Bill Campbell, and he has got the only physique and performance lab in the country in the United States. And he's doing a bunch of research on women. I'm like, yay, finally. Right. Yeah. And now he's starting in menopausal women. I'm like, you're a brave oh, wow. man. <laughs> <laughs> <He is. laughs> you know, most people are like, that is really too hard. Um, but he said, you know, he, he asked me how much protein I eat. He goes, because every single time I see a lean woman, they eat a high protein diet, you know, and I will tell you, like, I have to weigh in every day to make sure I keep weight on. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, and it wasn't always that way. This is not, this is a phenomenon that has happened with increased protein intake. So, you know, it just, it makes it so that you don't have cravings. You, you aren't hungry. You feel great. Your energy's steady. Like, you know, and you know that you're also getting what you need to, to make and carry hormones, to make neurotransmitters for your hair, skin, and nails, to make your muscles. And as we age, we don't need less protein. We need more to, to deal with the fact that we're getting anabolic resistance. Now, if you're working out, a lot, this is not going to be as big of an issue, but that is, means that it's harder for you to go through muscle protein synthesis. So you need that trigger of protein to do that. So even Dr. Walter Longo, who's the protein uh, phobe, right? He, yeah. You know, Dr. Walter Longo, he was one of my professors <laughs> and, yeah. um, when I was doing my master's of gerontology and, and he scared off all these women off of protein. <laughs> we were like horrified. You know, I, I, it's, oh. Yeah, but even he said, as much as he, you know, is anti-protein, he said after the age of 65, we all need to increase it. So even when you're, yeah, really against it, you you, you got to admit it's pretty, yeah. pretty important. Let's not wait till 65, though, yeah. because, you know, starting at around the age 30, we start to lose muscle. From that point up till 60, it can be up to 1% a year. The bigger part is you're losing 2 to 4% of strength and, and 6 to 8% power. So those are the really concerning things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. I literally decided for my 60th birthday, I was going to be in the best shape of my life and that I was going to prove it. And I was going to lift heavier than, you know, I'm lifting the weights I was lifting when I was 20. So everyone you know. go to the YouTube video because they've got to see your arms. Prove a point. Like, <laughs> it's looking so good. Yeah. So I was good. I was recently at an event uh, speaking for Mike Michalowicz, who is a fantastic business author. I love him. He wrote Profit First and a bunch of other books. And so and he texts me, goes, dude, come speak at my event. I'm like, first of all, I love it when guys go, dude. I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> but I'm at his event. He goes, I didn't know it was going to be a gun show. I'm like, ha ha. Want to arm wrestle? And he goes, yes. I go, okay. 
this is not going to end well for you. Like you can't win any way up on this, you know, because we are arm wrestling up there and it's very even. Mm -hmm. And I said, either you beat me and then all the women in the room think you're, you know, a jerk or I beat you and all the guys are like, oh God, dude. So I was like, maybe we should just call it a truce at this point so that you say. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, so, uh, so I say that because this is protein so easy. You know, it's an easy thing to start with. And I know there's a plant-based agenda out there, la la la. However, you know, if you really need to get all these amino acids and the challenge we have right now is all proteins not created equal, what we're really doing is getting the essential amino acids. And the best place to get those is animal protein. You are what you eat eight, however. So you want to make sure you're getting clean animal protein because the, the protein won't change, but the fat will, right? And remember, toxins are stored in fat. So you, you are what you eat, eight. But the difference, I, I was just doing some slides for a talk I'm giving comparing quinoa to chicken breast. And it was like, you know, 900 calories of quinoa to get the same amount of protein as in 200 calories of chicken breast. But that didn't have the same amount of leucine. And to get the leucine, it was like even 1,200 calories of quinoa. And the leucine is what triggers muscle protein synthesis. So you're like going, yeah, you know, it's just not as effective. I don't know how to not overeat and do it, you know, or to use so many supplemental powders. And, you know, I love protein powder, but, and I, but, you know, if you have to have it, I'm always very skeptical, skeptical of a diet where, you know, like if you don't replace certain nutrients, you will get nutrient deficient and either have sarcopenia or die. You know, yeah. it's like, come <laughs> it's on. a pretty big sign. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Oxford HealthSpan, the creators of my favorite supplement, Primadine. I admit it, I am a total supplement junkie, but if I had to choose only one, it would be this one. And it's because Primadine is spermidine, and this is shown to activate autophagy, which is super important. Now, this is a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. So as we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and waste, which isn't good for our cells, our health, nor our longevity. So we need to clean it up. And if you want the research on this, go to OxfordHealthSpan.com and you can see all of it, showing how spermidine supports our brain, our hormones, and our heart health. And another great side effect is stronger hair, skin, and nails, but also longer eyelashes. But, you know, the real important reason why I love Primadine is because I have never, ever received as much feedback on a product I recommended as I have with Primadine. Literally every week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And... Most of the time, it's about improved sleep. And even some of you told me it's reversed a bit of your gray hair too. So I find that totally amazing. So I can honestly say with 100% certainty that Primadine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on OxfordHealthSpan.com. Just be sure to get back to me with your results too. Now enjoy the show. Well, I have a question then for you because we know as we age, this is really important to build muscle and strength. And I loved what you said in our last podcast that forget about aging gracefully, let's age strong. <laughs> yeah, I might just... not have said forget. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of that, more important to, to on the edge. It's <laughs> yeah, it's more important. I mean, we can be graceful, but it's more important to get strong. And I love it. And I but I as we go through perimenopause and this loss of estrogen and testosterone and hormones are going wonky, women find it so hard to build muscle. It becomes doubly hard as you go through this transition and probably beyond. So what I, what can uh, everything that you've told us about, okay, eat your protein, all this, does it have to shift at all or anything a woman going through menopause needs to know about? It's going to be that easy? You know, here's the thing. What if it were easy? You know, we have this whole idea and that's why I was like going, you know, I'm going to prove a point here because I think when we think something's going to be hard, it's hard. And when you look at the research about aging and um, Mark Hyman showed this to me and I was like, this is the greatest thing. I'm going to use it everywhere. It was this study that showed that people who were excited about aging had a positive mindset about it lived seven and a half years longer. I go, all right, that's an easy one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that did not require me getting into a cold plunge every day. That's just like, think better thoughts. And I thought, well, what if you got excited about this? Like when I have to have a surgery, I actually get all fired up and trained for it. And so I, that's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get all fired up and trained for this. I'm gonna start getting a DEXA every six months so I can track this well. You know, I've got a bioimpedance scale at home I get on every day. I use a tape measure once a week. I'm going to totally track what I'm doing and track how strong I am. And then I'm going to do everything that I can to support this. So what I think of as we age is we have less margin for error. Now, the number one thing is, is if you can do hormone replacement therapy, I think hormone replacement therapy for, for the win. And I think we need to start it way earlier than people think about. Like I was fortunate to start this just as things were starting to shift, I was already on hormones. So you need estrogen to build muscle. You need testosterone for libido. Testosterone helps with muscle, but estrogen is really a super important one. The other things that are critical here beyond protein, you got to have the protein. If you are not getting enough protein, and especially that trigger for muscle protein synthesis, that's Dr. Donald Lehman's work, where he showed that it was like 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine. If you're not getting that, you will have major problems building muscle. So one of the things that I'm using to help kind of cheat that, and the, I found now studies to back this up, um, is I'm having people use essential amino acids at breakfast and dinner so that they can, they can make sure they cover their bases. So that even if they didn't get quite enough protein, we got it because we've got the essential amino acids on board too. So eat your protein first and have some essential amino acids. You can either take capsules or powder, but just do that. The other thing that I think super helps here is we don't digest as well as we age. You know, stomach acid goes lower, we're stressed. So I, I think taking some protein digestive enzymes, a trial that to see how you feel, super important. So betaine, HCL, proteases. So that's another one. And then the nutrient that I'm amazed, I talk about this all the time on social and women are so scared of this, but I think that every woman Every woman, every woman, you know, with the exception of someone um, who has kidney disease and needs to work with their kidney doctor on all this stuff, should be on creatine. Women have 70 to 80% less tissue stores of creatine than men. Creatine, now we are having, like there is research out to show that it helps um, with avoiding skin wrinkling, that it helps that when women are menopausal and they go on creatine, their, their rates of depression go down, that it helps with cognition. That it, and, and helps with bone health. But the big thing is it's going to help you work out harder. Now, it doesn't directly equal bigger muscles. If you work out harder, then you are going to be able to get better volume that's going to then translate into muscle hypertrophy and strength. So, you know, you just follow that pathway out and it's so easy to do. And you think about it and go, 
you know, especially women who are eating less and are afraid, of, you know, eat less protein and are afraid of creatine because they think it's going to make them retain water or get big. If you're afraid of retaining water, what you can do is just start with one gram, do that for a couple of days, then go to two grams, then go to three grams. Most women will need between three and five grams. And then you just want to stay on that. It takes about a month to get to tissue saturation and you just use it every single day. As you're getting to tissue saturation, you can take it before you work out because it's going to give you that creatine that you need to do the really hard, fast stuff because you use a different energy system called the phosphocreatine system. But just the way you'll feel throughout the day is crazy. It's like you just feel great using it. You, you want to hear something interesting about creatine. My doctor, uh, she, my, she's a regenerative medicine doctor, and she said to me, your, homo, your homocysteine levels are a little bit off, so why don't you take some creatine? And I did. And I got into the optimal ranges just after probably three months on, on creatine and monohydrate. I never would have thought of creatine for homocysteine. Like immediately go to B vitamins. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I never heard of that, but it totally worked for me. And so you know, many and great things about creatine. That takes me to a bigger thing there, Zora, is I've, I've been a supplement crazy person for years and years and years. I've spent decades actually doing workshops for doctors, teaching them how to put supplements into their practice, like writing protocols for supplement use. I love supplements. However, they are supplements. And the more I find that we really major in the macros, and I think, you know, with biohacking or anything else, major in the macros first, you got to major in the major before you start looking at the minors. Now, some of the supplements to me that are major, creatine's one of them, Vitamin D is another one, right? Look at the majors that you need, optimizing omega-3s. But the rest of the stuff, the, the more that you start to focus on the majors of good restorative, you know, and when I think of sleep through the night, one of my three pillars, it's not just sleeping. It's really how do you recover well? Because that's where you build muscle well. That's where you de-age, right? So what are all those restorative things that you're going to be doing? The more that you do that, the more that you exercise appropriately and eat correctly, like, everything corrects, you know, and if you're trying to use these supplements to correct things that could be corrected by majoring the majors, you're doing yourself a major disservice. While we're on the topic of supplements, do you have any thoughts on spermidine? It's funny, the gal who makes primidine, mm -hmm. I guess the CEO, I was at A4M and she's like, came up and she goes, and I think I may have heard her. Was she on your podcast? Yes, Leslie okay. Kenny. So I heard her and I'm like, Okay, I will full disclosure. The reason that I was so excited about trying it was because of the gray hair situation. <laughs> yeah. And so I hear her and I'm like, ooh, huh. And so, so I've been on it ever since, seeing if it's going to help this gray hair situation that happened when my son got hit by the car. And uh, so far, it's, I don't know if I'm just hallucinating that maybe it's a little better, but I, I've been taking it. So I've been taking the Oxford Health primidine because of your podcast. And she came up to me, she goes, Oh my God, I saw your name come through. You take my product. I'm like, that's pretty oh, funny. It's, but, um, it, it's I don't know yeah. a lot about it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would like to know, because you are the supplement queen in terms of uh, like, and I'm like you. And again, try to try to, obviously we have the, the basic, the biohacking basics that are so important that, and it's a, the foundation that's important. But spermidine, I've been sharing it with my audience probably three years now. I'd say about 20% people have the gray hair reversal. The, the feedback that I get 
And I'm, that's pretty good. I mean, I always tell people it's not everybody. Maybe you're one of the lucky ones. There's one person she got in touch with me and she she said her pubic hair has started to change. And she didn't know yeah. how to like tell somebody how excited she was about that. And uh, I said, well, you can keep it to yourself. But yeah, it was good to know. <laughs> <laughs> no before and afters, please. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. That's so funny. Well, keep yeah, me I posted. Take, um, yeah. Uh, um, so what are the what are the big benefits of spermidine? Well, the big benefit is that it's autophagy. It's activating autophagy, which we know we can get through exercise and through fasting and and through a lot of other things that we do. But and it's through food. You know, obviously, Leslie talks a lot about the, the foods that have or that are rich in spermidine. But the problem is not everyone can fast or should fast and not everyone can do enough exercise for that. And it's just kind of like a supplement to add on. We know autophagy is good for you. We know we know spermidine in general activate, at least this is the study that was done, uh, I think it's Partridge et al, 2011, I guess, the hallmarks of aging. It, spermidine was well, the only one other than rapamycin that hit uh, the most hallmarks of aging. I think it was Which I don't understand the rapamycin thing at all. I think that's hugely scary. So yeah, so yeah I'm, spermidine, mitopure, timeline mitopure, the urolithin A, which I noticed like I like to add one thing at a time and go, what do I notice from this? And I totally noticed from taking urolithin A that I was, that I had more energy, more strength, more power at the gym. Oh, like, interesting. Very clear because it triggers mytophagy. So autophagy in the mitochondria. Um, and, and when I read all the research about it, I was talking to the founders. And I go, this is literally exercise in a bottle, but I do not want to say that because then people won't work out. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it looks like. And then the other one that I take, uh, is synolytic yeah. by Neurohacker. By, I, I never know if it's Neurohacker or Qualia, but I take that one. Yeah, it's interesting. I really kind of flipped my my uh, little stack here of things that I take. I'm doing Fisetin actually right now, uh, 10 days of high dosage just to see what that does, just to clean up those senescent cells. So it's the first time I'm using it. I, I don't have Qualia here. Uh, so I just oh, thought- that's okay. too bad because it's their protocol is you take it every month, two days, and they have crazy research coming out now with arthritis, with pain, like crazy research. So on the like, on the Qualia product itself? Yes. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yes, yeah. Okay. I got to get my hands on that. Yes, you do. <laughs> you have to figure out how the heck you're going to get your hands on that. <laughs> I know. I'm always asking people to be drug mules for me when they come back from the US to wherever <laughs> I am at. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Hack My Age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. So let's talk about this recomp reset plan uh, with what is that? So again, um, and it's super fun. I got to tell you, I'm like more excited about stuff now than I've ever been. And I always look, I'm a very left brain person. So I'm always looking for the formulas. And I really feel like the formula for the woman, you know, and, and for if you are a woman listening right now who is in the middle of, of going through, and I think the way we describe menopause is so bizarre. It's like, it's like that one day and all of a sudden you're post-menopause and like, yeah. you know, but if you're in that time up until the magic window, whatever, just know things get a lot, lot better. Like whew, it's, it's amazing on the other side. Can't it's amazing. Wait. 
But I managed my menopause by being on hormone replacement and having doctors that really understood how to manage it through symptoms because you can't manage it by labs. You'd have to take, you'd have to have a continuous read, you know, I mean, it's not possible. So you have to manage it by really getting your adrenals in check, by really reducing any margin for error. Unfortunately for me, it was the most stressful time in my life by a landslide. So I was like, this is, this is a joke. Like, how do you get through this? You know, but you will get through it. Now you asked me a question because it was relative to that. So what was the question? And then I'm gonna come back. I to think that. I was originally, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about the muscle building in women oh, with the loss of estrogen. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and the other question I don't want to forget about, think about it is, have you seen, I'm on, I'm on hormone therapy as well for the last three years and I have no problem building muscle, but I don't, I've never tested it without. So I'm wondering what your experience is. If a woman is decides she's not going on hormone therapy for one reason or another, how easy is it for her to build muscle versus um, being on it? So I've managed to convince everybody (laughs) (laughs) to get on it. Although I have worked with some people who are not on it and it is definitely harder. Mm. It's definitely harder, but we have a lot of tools. And again, I'd look at the tools of using urolithin A because that's going to, that mitophagy is going to be super important. If your mitochondria aren't functioning well, really hard to do this you're going to be able to at least use all the creatine and protein and all that. So you've got to, I think you've got to use as many tools in the toolbox as you can. And if for some reason, hormone replacement therapy can't be one of them, I do have one friend who, and I will tell you my doctors who focus on breast cancer, a lot of them now are actually going in and doing hormone replacement therapy. There's so much information coming out now about this, but I can't think of one of them who is just, you know, it's just hard to put on muscle and it's hard to deal with the belly fat because your body wants to produce estrogen. And guess what? (laughs) Yeah. It's going through your belly fat. So I've really started to focus on, you know, what do we need to do to recomp? And I have to do a shout out to again, Bill Campbell doing this research and focusing on women um, because he really loves his wife and Mm -hmm. she's going through menopause. I'm like, amen for all of us. But one of the things that he found, because if you think about what happens when you go on a diet, and this, by the way, it drives me nuts, all the negative press about about the weight loss drugs and muscle mass loss, because it's misinformation. Because here's the thing. If you go on a poorly designed diet with or without weight loss drug, you will lose muscle. It doesn't matter if you're on a weight loss drug or you're on another kind of diet. If you are not actively eating enough protein optimal protein and lifting weights, you will lose muscle. So it doesn't matter if you're on semaglutide or you're on, you know, some, some 500 calorie a day diet, doesn't matter. You know, you actually don't have to do a ton to keep the muscle, but to build the muscle is a different story. And that's what I'm really looking at is what do we need to do? Not just to hold on to muscles, we lose fat, but to actually change our body composition. So now we have lower body fat percentage, higher muscle mass percentage, because when you look at what happens as someone goes on a diet, if they don't do that, they're going to go through something called metabolic adaptation. And it can actually be even worse, like what happened with the biggest losers, where their calorie count after the diet was 500 calories lower than it should have been based on their weight, probably because of that shift in their, in their metabolism and the chronic caloric restriction. So how do we deal with that? Number one, we make sure that we're building muscle. And number two, we do caloric variability. So our body doesn't interpret this as a long-term threat and downshift. Remember, our calories are, how many calories we use in the day, our total daily energy expenditure of calories is going to be based on basal metabolic rate, 
which is how much we need at rest, which is sex, age, genetics, body composition. What's the thing we can change? Body composition. Because <laughs> right? yeah. even if we change our sex, we really didn't change our sex. <laughs> sex at birth, right? You have the rest of the day, thermic effect of food, eat protein first. You have activity and exercise. We need to separate those two because don't think you can exercise for 30 minutes, sit on your butt for 23 and hours and 30 minutes and be okay. You got to get the eight to 12,000 steps. I track it every day. Make sure that I do that piece and get exercise in. And exercise is when you get hot, sweaty, it hurts. You're doing more than what you're used to so that your body has to adapt. Those things have to happen. So what we really want to focus on is making sure that we are making ourselves better, not worse, which is why you have to track what your weight's made up of, not just your weight. You have to know how much skeletal muscle you have. And when you really look at it, if you had to pick one thing to focus on here, it wouldn't be losing fat. It would be putting on muscle. And if you did that, you would lose fat over time, right? If you eat protein first and focus on putting on muscle, you'll become more insulin sensitive. You will start to have a better metabolic rate because that muscle is more energetically costly. And you're not going to be as hungry and be more satiated and, and you're improving, getting healthier metabolically. And, you know, we don't lose weight to get healthy. We have to get healthy metabolically to lose weight. So we have to do all those shifts. And so that's, that's the whole idea of recomping is higher protein amounts, one gram per pound of target body weight or more and doing resistance training more than what you're used to so that you are building muscle, not just maintaining muscle. The thing that I also tell clients a lot is when the same thing as you just eat your protein, eat it first, but I tell them to get it at each meal. And, and cause sometimes I feel, see that they're back ending it. Oh, can't I just eat all my protein at the end? And, and I don't think it works out that way. What are your thoughts? Well, so if you think about muscle protein turnover, you break down, you build up just like bone, right? And so you go to bed at night you get done digesting at some point, and then you're going to get catabolic. You're going to start breaking things down. You wake up in the morning and until you get that bolus of protein with enough leucine, you're in muscle protein breakdown. So if you never get up to that two and a half to three grams of leucine, and you know, who knows, I don't, that research wasn't done on like, you know, I'd love to see a 70 year old woman who doesn't exercise because I'm betting it's more like three grams. If you no, don't get that amount till dinner, you did not get into muscle protein synthesis. You were in breakdown all day long, all day long. Problematic. <laughs> I look at it and go, what are our insurance policies? I've always looked at a multivitamin as an insurance policy. And I look at essential amino acids the same way. So what if we got up in the morning, let our body have time to wake up, like, you know, the perfect morning routine, get up, see the sunlight, get your feet on the ground outside. That's, that's perfect. Can't always do that depending on where we're living. Like this morning, this morning was my perfect morning routine. I got up, I went in, I got into the hot sun. I meditated to Dr. Joe Dispenza. I got into the cold plunge. Then I stood in front of the red light. I was like, win. Perfect. Then I went to perfect. the chiropractor. Then I went to the gym. I was like, I am like. <laughs> perfect <laughs> morning. Doesn't always work that way. Doesn't, doesn't always work that way. I was like, I should report this morning. But then you look like that perfect, stupid influencer <laughs> who doesn't tell you the real, <laughs> the real, like what really starts to happen as the day unfolds. But what was the question? <laughs> Yeah, and actually, I, we totally got on it. Both of us got on a tangent. I can't, I can't remember the just the recomp, the, the recomp. The important thing that the question was: let's let's get our protein in at every single meal. It's not possible to back end it. If you look at this, you wake up in the morning. You should be eating 
probably like the sweet spot from what I look at all of Dr. Sachin Panda's research. And I think he is like, if you want to look at chronobiology, and this is why intermittent fasting or, or time-restricted feeding makes me nuts because I think skipping breakfast is just a bad idea. Bad idea. You're going to skip a meal, skip dinner. For most people, they're doing that because they want to lose weight. And you don't need to do that to lose weight. If you're doing that, do it for autophagy. But if you're doing it for autophagy, rotate it in a little bit here and there, and then exercise for the win or, you know, synolytic or the primidine, right? Or all of the above. So you want to wake up in the morning, let your body have time to wake up, like get your pancreas getting ready with the insulin, have breakfast. It should be a big protein rich breakfast that has, you know, I think 40 grams of protein or more. What does your breakfast look like? So it depends if I'm cycling in Greek style yogurt or not, because I have to be careful with dairy, but I think Greek style yogurt is amazing. So I do either a smoothie or I take Greek style yogurt and I stir in some of my bone broth protein powder and extra collagen. So generally it's either a bone broth protein smoothie with protein enriched milk, nut milk, and I use extra collagen. And then I also do essential amino acids or it's Greek style yogurt with that stuff stirred into it as well. And then I go to the gym. Um, and creatine stirred into it too. So I do creatine every single morning. And then I go to the gym. I either have essentials there, or if I'm going to the gym, I take them with me in a drink with some um, electrolyte. So you're, I'm glad you're not a fan of going to the gym in a fasted state. I tried it. I've looked at the research too. But from the very beginning, as I was hearing about working on the fasted state, so you'd burn more fat, I go, okay, hold on, let's unpack it. Unless you're going for a walk, for the most part, we're not absolutely burning carbs or fat. And what we're really trying to do is get ourselves metabolically adapted so we can use the right fuel at the right time. If I'm going to go in and do a hard exercise section, I'm not always anaerobic, like that's not possible. So I'm burning fat and carbs, fat and carbs, fat and carbs, and, and really pushing it so I'm more carbs. So I'm depleting my glycogen stores, but not really because it takes a lot to deplete those, right? But if you're working out hard, you're not burning fat. You might be really good, like people going on keto, they might be good at burning fat, but are they burning dietary fat or body fat? Because when you talk about burning fat, I'm pretty sure you're talking about, I want to burn body fat. And I think they think they're going in fasted, so they're burning body fat. But if they then have a caloric overload during the day, that doesn't matter. So if you look at it and go, all right, I'm going in to do a fasted workout, but I don't have as much energy, which is what happened to me. I tested it for a month and I went, you know what? my exercise sessions have tanked. They're nowhere near what they used to be because I don't have the energy. And so my quality of my exercise is going down and nothing really changed. Like I didn't lose fat. I didn't like nothing changed. If anything, I wasn't able to put on any muscle. So I went, this doesn't make sense to me because it's not the fat you burn during the exercise. And I would argue that if you're really going in and hitting it hard, that's, that shouldn't be your focus. Like your focus is you're going to be using more of your glycogen stores. And you're going to use like, you know, you look at your fuel sources, you'll use some phosphocreatine, you'll use some glycogen, you'll use some fat, you'll use it at all, depending on what you're doing. Your body's shifting back and forth. It's, it's a well, it's a hybrid car. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to be in a little bit of a deficit if we're trying to lose fat, body fat, not dietary fat. So it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense for what people are trying to do. It, it's good. You always encourage people to do their own self-experiments just like you did. Right. But the studies bear the same, say the exact same thing. The studies do not show more fat loss because of a fasted workout. They don't. 
Well, I think I heard about training in a fasted state, I think from Dr. David Sinclair for the first time. And he mentioned, you know, this is what he does and he thinks it's great. And, and, uh, and I was, he doesn't look like he has a lot of muscle to me. No, no. And I mean, I think at the time when I heard it, he wasn't going to the gym. <laughs> I mean, that much, <laughs> like he was going once in a while. And I was thinking, and he was a one meal a day person. And I had all these people telling me a lot of this, I want to do like David Sinclair. He's a researcher in longevity and aging. And I thought, well, wait a second, this guy is a researcher. He sits in a lab and he hardly goes to the gym. I mean, at least at the time, I mean, hopefully he's going now. And I, I just didn't, had my doubts. And I said, okay, you know, if it works for him, great, but do your own self-experimentation before you just eat all this information and thinks it's, it's, it's gold, right? Well, and think about the right, the type of exercise too, because exercise is a blanket statement. Are you, and it really depends on how fit you are. Like if you're super fit, going out for a walk is nothing. But if you're a couch potato, going out for a walk is a workout. Going out and doing long, slow distance exercise, it's more using more fat for fuel. Hey, that's fine. Like, it's not going to impact you. You can go walk, you know, or even go on, a, I can go on a hike in the morning and then eat afterwards. I'm fine. But if I'm going to go hit it hard, not fine. My total, my, you know, it, it suffers. But I think the bigger thing with all of these is the question is whether it's a keto diet, intermittent fasting, fasted workouts you know, doing HIT training, whatever it is, it's like, what is the outcome? Because diets are tools, exercise is tools. What is the outcome you're trying to achieve? Is this the thing that's going to work for you with your, who you are, the time in your life, like all the stuff going on? And that is it because there's a lot of different ways to get there. So it has to not just fit with your, who you are and the goals you have and your history and your health and your you know, your musculoskeletal system, but also has to work with your lifestyle. And we're also different. But I, I, I do you, did you ever interview Dr. Stacey Sims? I have her on my schedule. Oh, oh, you're gonna love her. I know she's anti-fasted workouts too. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah, what your thoughts were about because I learned a lot from her. I did her her menopause for athletes program and she just, yeah, railed on all the ketos and the fasting for because her audience is really mostly a woman who's athletic or doing some kind of planned exercise or even, you know, professional athletes as well. So her big thing is, well, the research shows this, but they're mostly done on men and they're mostly done on sedentary people. And we're a whole other category. They're like, we're not being researched like you know, everyone else. So we have to make these changes. And so she pulls out research. And of course, you can take out any research you like and <laughs> make your point. And she just yes, just threw us a lot of interesting research saying how actually the keto and the fasting and all this stuff that's trendy is not good for a woman. And it's not good for an athletic woman. And it's even worse for a woman going through menopause who's a little bit athletic. So I was kind of wondering, yeah, your thoughts were on that. But fasting scares me a lot. <laughs> Because now that doesn't, that doesn't mean that, hey, if you wanted to do like I, I think if you're doing I, in my detox program, I, we do two days of what I call limit fasting, where we do shortened time restricted feeding. I think what we should be eating is eating within an eight to 12 hour window. And I really think an eight to 10 hour window is better on a on the daily because we can get in our three meals and get in our protein for people like like my husband with the amount of protein he needs. No, eating 100 grams at night, like I know that study just came out that said there was no upper limit with protein, except the study has a lot of issues with it, you know? So it, 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 I think that we're better off dividing this protein into three or four meals. I used to work a lot with male athletes and I had to have them have four meals and so that they could get in what they needed and make sure that they were minimizing. Like you, you need to 
break down and get rid of waste products, right? But you need to rebuild. Like that's the process of building muscle. It's not just building all the time. Then you'd be building. It's like when you get a house and go, I'm going to do an addition. And you just go, yeah, we're not going to tear anything down. We're just going to slap on stuff on top of this. You know, you wouldn't do that. So you have to tear some stuff down, put some new things in. Same with building muscle. So fasting, fasting all the time at the age of 30 plus, we've got to be sure that we're able to get in our protein. If you look at, I think, why most people are fasting, they're fasting to lose weight. Well, there's plenty of ways to make sure that you are holding onto and building muscle while losing fat. And that they're just using fasting as a way to get caloric restriction. So that's one thing. That's why I say, why are, why are we doing it? Just like, you know, people that are like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I'm in ketosis. And, and I got to tell you, I can't, I do not do well. Like I, I tried to be on a ketogenic diet. I eat somewhere between 100 and 130 car- grams of carbs a day. I'm not a big carb eater. I eat a lot of non-starchy vegetables, a little fruit. I had one of those little devices and I would blow into it. And I most, I would, I, you know, I'm all over the place. Sometimes I'm burning fat, sometimes I'm burning carbs. I'm 9% body fat. So I think we get a little wacky about these things and I go, okay, great. You're in ketosis. You're burning fat, except that you're eating too many calories because you're hogging down on all of this fat. And so you're burning dietary fat. I don't think that's the fat you wanted to burn. So get yourself insulin sensitive so your body can switch between using carbs and fat. Have the carbs on board so they're in your muscles so that you can use them when you're exercising and have great steady, sustained energy. Like it's, that's how our body's designed. I don't, I think a ketogenic diet is great if you've got uh, seizures or a brain injury, like, or mental stuff. Like I've got a son with, with a brain injury. And so ketogenic diets for the win, but that's where I use them therapeutically. I think for most people trying to use them with the diet, they're trying to do it to control their hunger. And I'd rather see them using a protein exercise, fiber, and allulose uh, as, you know, ways to release GLP one. It's more fun. Like, honestly, I get to eat. <laughs> I don't want to put a bunch of fat in my, like, it just, blech, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good to me. Whereas like you sit down, eat a piece of wild salmon, have some Brussels sprouts and cauliflower rice, maybe some blueberries. And it's like, that feels good. Okay. I'm going to have to let you go soon. And I, I, before I do it, I would love for you to share your menopause experience, this transition. That's what I mean with experience, the transition that you made and how that was for you and what you did to help any symptoms that you've had. I was teaching a course for years called Overcoming Weight Loss Resistance. The things that could get in the way of you losing weight and cause you to gain weight. And one of them, of course, was sex hormone imbalances. So I knew all the signs what I call thyroid fatigue was another one. And then another one was adrenal issues. So I knew all the signs of these things. And I still remember the first thing that started to hit before anything else was I started to get, you know, I always was someone who ran hot and sweated all the time. And all of a sudden I started to get cold, cold and constipated, not good. <laughs> you know. And so we had my thyroid checked. Now my thyroid at the time was 2.58. That's, but, and my T3, T3 was low. I think it was like, too. But I mean, the, nothing significant, but I, it, boom. So that was the first thing that, that um, I got optimized. How old were you then? I mean, where were we? I was like mid, mid, I think I was probably about 47. Everything else was normal, normal cycles, everything. Then my cycles start getting a little bit wonky. And I noticed that I couldn't recover at the gym. Like I would be working out and I was like, going, God, why am I so achy? Why am I achy? And I just, I still didn't put it together. And then I went to the dentist and my gums were a little bleeding. He goes, oh, that's estrogen. I'm like, oh, duh. 
So then I went and started going through, and I've always been one who doesn't work well with progesterone. It would make me want to go cry and eat cookies. <laughs> you know how women feel great on progesterone? I do not feel great on progesterone. Not at all. So I started with a little testosterone, a little estrogen, and a little progesterone cycled. That was all fine. And then my son got hit by a car. Literally, I was 49 and left for dead in the street. And uh, it was right when my book, Virgin Diet, was coming out. I was under, I, I put all my eggs in that basket financially. I'm the full, sole financial support for my two children who were 15 and 16 boys. And I'm like, you know, standing in the, in the hospital where the doctor's telling me to let my son die. And I'm like, no, you know, so like enormous stress. We were in the ICU for four and a half months. Like it was just crazy levels of stress that, you know, 10 years, it wasn't, it, it didn't just go away either. It's not like one day you wake up and your brain injury is over. And so we had to kind of up some things there. I remember one doctor coming in, all my friends are docs, came into the hospital with a bag of like adrenal glandulars and vitamin C. I'm like, okay, thank you. Adaptogens. I'm like, bring them all in here. And so I was fortunate because really from the time my hormones started to go down, I've been on replacement and everything coming out now is starting to say that that's when you do it. You don't wait until things go away. You, the minute like your cycle gets shorter or longer, you know, you just start to replace. So I'd always replaced it. And it never got to that like crazy place. If I had a symptom, I'd go, okay, let's look at it. Like, you know, and I talked to my doctors all worked with me on symptoms. The interesting thing that's happened lately is when I went to Korea, we went to the ginseng factory. My girlfriend, uh, Dr. Ann Shippey was like, I need, I want to go to the ginseng museum. I'm like, really? <laughs> and we had to go on a Sunday morning. I'm like, I just want to go to the gym. She's like, no, we're going to the ginseng museum. You would have an appointment. There's tour buses. I'm like, wow, this is a thing. Turns out you can buy this special six-year-old black ginseng in, in South Korea that you can't get anywhere else and they don't export it unless you're on the list because you've been to the museum. We end up buying four years worth of this stuff. I don't really know much about it. They're sitting here selling it to my husband that's going to give him like, you know, great erections. He's like, let's buy it all. I'm like, oh <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, I'm ginseng for life. Anyway, they were right, by the way. We come home, we both start taking it and I get my hormones redone. Now, this past summer, I had to have right after Korea, I had to have a hysterectomy because of a bad pap smear situation. I had to have a hysterectomy, which... I'd done a bunch of Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations. They go in, they go, it was perfect. I go, I could, yeah, I could have told you that. But, you know, I was like, I didn't need it anyway. It can go. So, so now they've taken out my ovaries and I'm thinking, and I go to do another hormone test because I think I'll probably have to up my hormones. And my doctor here in Tampa, Dr. Lisa Coach goes, you need to lower your thyroid, lower your estrogen. Everything's high. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Well, I was at A4M and Chris Shade was doing a lecture on hormone receptor density and sensitivity and talking about the numbers and how challenging it is really to look at hormone numbers because you've also got to consider sensitivity and, and, and density. I'm like, well, this is so obvious. Hello. And he goes, and then he started talking about how adaptogens and things like ginseng <clears throat> improve sensitivity and density. And all of a sudden, the light bulb, I was like, oh my gosh, the only thing I did differently was add in this special ginseng. And all of a sudden, I need less hormones to get to the same level. That's wild. Crazy. Wild. 
wild, 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 right? Because I was doing all the other stuff that you need to do to help with all of this, you know, but that was like the last frontier. And I'm like, gosh, now that I've seen that, I think everyone, you know, what do we need to do for going through this? Protect your adrenals at all costs. I've been, I've been like this, this year, 2024 is a year of HRV <laughs> for me, man. I'm like HRV <laughs> to win. I've got a Polar's H10 strap. I'm monitoring it in the morning. It's HRV all the way. But like these adaptogens, I think must be a part of hormone replacement therapy. We think of things like, you know, I'm a big fan of DIM. I think we like all women on it going through hormone replacement therapy should be doing fiber and magnesium and vitamin D plus K and DIM. But holy smokes, gotta do an adaptogen. So if you can get your hands on this ginseng. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's any ginseng will do, or they got to go to South Korea. You know, I don't know. They're the best the real sa deal. salespeople. I came out of Korea and thank God we had an extra suitcase because we came out of Korea with skincare and ginseng for, for well, ginseng people. <laughs> But they sold so well because they're like, well, if you buy this much, then you get this gift of this much. You're like, you know, I'm like, you're saving money. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I buying like, more. We're making, we're making money over here in South Korea. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? You're making money. Exactly. <laughs> making money. So I don't know, but I do know the difference. And that's kind of a PSA for every woman out there is like, consider, you know, he talked about a variety of adaptogens, ginseng being one of them, ashwagandha being another one of them. I, I would say, play around with really taking care of your adrenals and doing some adaptogens and then monitoring your levels because what a surprise that I was able to do this. It's incredible. That's why also I encourage people to just monitor. You're tracking, you're monitoring, you're biohacking this all. So it's, you wouldn't know and you wouldn't understand if you weren't tracking it. So I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to let you go, but I, before I do, I also do, you, is there anything that you're, you're planning and you got a book coming out or you got an event coming? What, what, What's what's happening in JJ's world? I got a book coming out. I got an event coming. <laughs> I think, by the way, I'm going to go to London in June. I'm just wondering if you're going to be at that Health Optimization Summit. Yes, I maybe I plan to. So I have to go. Well, don't I plan to tickets. be there. Just be there. I, I yes, should. I'm going to be there. I met Tim at a uh, at A4M, ran into him in the hallway. So I was like, well, how fun is that? There's a direct flight. Well, of course, I look at they go, direct flight from Tampa to London. Yes, I can go. So yes. I'm going to go do that, which I'm excited about. That will be super fun. And then, of course, we have our big Mindshare event in September for all of the health business, health entrepreneurs, health experts. And the book is until 2025. You know, we're doing all the stuff. We are going to do a powerful aging summit later this year, a two-day live stream event. I'm messing around with that right now. Oh, keep us posted. And I'll definitely share that. We love you. We love everything that you do. You're so knowledgeable and I'm so grateful for all the all that you've done. Are there any... So I'm going to have actually... Uh, all the links to everything we just mentioned here and uh, in the show notes, your Facebook, Instagram, and uh, the actually health optimization summit. That's a big one for us in Europe. Um, so if you're in this area, Sounds please cool. got to come and that's the big one. Yeah, you're going to love it. So, and I will try to be there and meet you. It'd be so oh, exciting. I, don't, I heard try again. I, I'm so confused. Oh, well, the, the confusion is because I am contemplating hip replacement. And oh, I did that. It's easy. It's not a big really? deal. Okay, wait, we're going to talk after. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally, you know, I, I had a bad injury when I was 17. So it resulted in knee and hip and, and I had to have, so which a hip injury, a hip replacement is nothing compared to a knee replacement. So that's, but Ooh. literally I trained for it. I 
supplemented in through it. Like I was out, I, I mean, I, I did it in the morning. I walked out that afternoon. I never used, you know, I was right back doing everything. Oh, wow. I, um, <laughs> yeah. You talked about this in your podcast about the hysterectomy. And I thought that was really helpful too. Yeah. Similar. I trained for my history. I always, I train for surgeries and then I have a supplement regimen that I go on. And the, the doctors are always like, I go, now give me the exact parameters and explain exactly what I, why I can or can't do that. Cause you know, with the hysterectomy, it's like, you can't lift over 10 pounds. I go, well, why? And he goes, oh, cause we don't want you to trigger Valsalva because and I go, okay, got it. So I promptly went, if that's what it is, I, you know, I'm an exercise physiologist. I just won't trigger Valsalva. So I was fine. I was back at the gym in three days. And riding a bike through the desert like 10 days later, I was like, okay, I'm fine. But hip replacement of all of them is, you know, as long as you don't let the pain, like you have to, you have to use pain medications for the first like week and an ice machine. But other than that, like it is train hard so that you don't lose any muscle, do electrical muscle stim, do red light. You'll be fine. This is, you'll be fine. Oh, okay. I was literally going to have one. No, I had to have an, I have to have the, uh, the other knee because of this injury that I did at 17 being on point ballet. And I was going to have it lead my, lead my <laughs> event three weeks later. So literally you can, you can do this. Don't How let long this, ago did you do it? Um, well, I did one knee. I did one knee and, did, and went and led my event three weeks later at the first time and was on stilettos and dancing. Wow. I will tell you. You're my hero. <laughs> you just you just realize that perception becomes reality. So we have to be very careful about that. You know, they'll tell you. And the thing with replacements is they really, you can't damage it. They'll go, there's nothing you can do to damage it. That's all I need to hear. I'm like, oh, okay. And they want you moving. You're not a normal person. They they normally do these things in people who are not in good shape, who are not like, if you train for it and you do all this stuff to recover for it, like, bam, these are not a big deal. Oh my God. Thank you. Those are words I needed to hear. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, I will keep you posted because that determines my life and my plans and my agenda. So it's always hard for me to plan uh, without having an actual um, yeah, date or, or confirmation. And I love my, my hip surgeons, like one of the best in the world. Oh, give me the number, please. <laughs> yes. Dr. Andrew Yoon for the win. Y-U-N, Santa Monica. Fantastic. Oh, oh good. My hometown. I can do that. Yeah. And then you can have it at St. John's, which is like the four seasons. Oh, nice. All yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Oh, there I'm, you go. <laughs> booking it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, JJ. Oh, you're just a star. I love you and everything you do. And you just made me feel so, so much better. I and any last words for a woman going through menopause? Yes. Get excited about this. Celebrate it. Realize you're stepping into the most powerful time of your life. Like all of a sudden, a lot of the stuff you thought really mattered, you'll go, this is, doesn't matter whatsoever. You, It's like, it's the, if I could have skipped over to this man, you know, <laughs> and said, what part of your life do you want to extend the most? Do you want to extend more of your teens? God, no. Do you want to extend more of your 30s? No. You know, it was like, this is the, it's like the time of your life. Perception creates reality. Just make that your reality. I love it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, JJ. And thank you. Hope thank to have you. you on again. Take See care. You. Bye. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. 
statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.